Hello there. How are you? A long time no speak. <laughs> yeah, it's been a half a minute. <laughs> Welcome to the Smartest Podcast, a show that is dedicated to helping you achieve success. I'm your host, John Colderize Lawson, entrepreneur and best-selling author. In this episode, you will hear from one of the most successful people in the world. So get ready to improve yourself by learning from those who have already found success. Yo, guys, what's up? This is your boy, John. And you know what? I've got a super, super individual that you have to meet. Once you have met this person, you will never, ever forget her. Her name is Carolyn, and Carolyn's going to introduce herself. Shoot, Carolyn, tell them who you are. Wowzers, how the hell am I supposed to follow that for an intro? But thank you. Um, so my name is Carolyn Breeze. I'm down in Sydney, and John and I have known each other for a little over a decade now. Um, but right now, I'm the CEO of a venture capitalist firm called Scalare Partners who invest in early stage startups, mainly tech. But my background has been in payments and fintech and before that, e-commerce, which is where young businesses, that's that's my thing. Man, I tell you, this is, this is it's, it's interesting. Like you went from the e-com to the fintech, now to, you know, uh, investments. It's that's I think that's kind of a good trajectory, don't you? you yeah, know? I feel like I feel like this role is a marriage between my two previous roles. Like um, one of the reasons why I loved e-com so much is back when you and I met, I was working at eBay. And what I loved about eBay, particularly at that time, is that mom past sellers in their garage could compete with big brands on an open marketplace. And it kind of democratized that for them and made it available to them. And then when I went over to payments, I went to Braintree, which was owned by PayPal. And it was the same thing, like a small business or a scaling startup could get access to the same world crazy tools like Uber and how they built their, their payment system on Braintree. And so for me, it's always been about democratizing accessibility and basically leveling the playing field and allowing you know, companies to, to scale and grow. And all while doing these things and having these roles, I then, you know, after PayPal and Braintree stepped into more of kind of um, seasoned startup land. So I brought GoCardless to Australia and New Zealand and then more recently was the chief commercial officer at Zepto. And they were both fairly young, different life stages um, in the startup world. And my job was to build and scale a commercial team and a commercial model and to give them those legs. And while doing that, you know, I invest in a lot of startups myself, um, some in the e-com space, and I've always been involved in boot camps and things as a mentor and an investor. And so I feel like this role is bringing the best of both of those worlds together. So I've got the ability to help startups and invest and mentor them and give them programs and tools to help them scale quickly and expand. Um, but I also get to use my commercial hat and share all my, you know, my secret sauce around growing sales teams and monetization models and go to market. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. 
So what's exciting you right now when you look out in the landscape of all the great techs and the startups and the things that are going on? What's kind of exciting you right now? Yeah, there's a couple of things. I know that in in the VC market in particular and the investment market, there's a lot of bad news out there about the macro environment and how, you know, checks are a lot smaller and companies are focused now more on path to profitability versus, you know, acceleration of kind of top growth. And, you know, that has disadvantaged a lot of startups who really used that um, funding when it was there to accelerate growth during the last three to five years and were taking, you know, 5, 10, 15, sometimes 25, 40 plus multipliers on their value, which is just crazy. And there's been, you know, moments of reckoning for those organisations. But um, there's still two things that get me really excited about this market at this time. And one is um, in Australia in particular, we have such a great startup community and there are a lot of startups doing some really good things. And we have always, we've never, you know, we got a taste of that US kind of checkbook in the last couple of years, but predominantly kind of across the board, Australian startups seem to do a lot more with a lot less than their international yeah. counterparts. And so I think it's really their time to shine and it's the right market. And, you know, there's also um, an opportunity for those who can survive this and can be smart with their money and can make the right decisions and be different and support their customers and be on that path to profitability, there'll be larger organisations that are maybe a few rounds ahead of them that won't survive because of the way they've scaled and been spending. And so ultimately that opens up opportunities for the other startups to acquire their customers and continue to grow, almost like the Stephen Bradbury of, of startups. So I see that as a really exciting challenge. I think Australian founders in particular, I'm very passionate about, and I've seen some of them come through a lot worse, and I'm really excited about this time. The other thing for me is I still don't think that we've, there's so much we haven't solved in the market. Like I still have to type in a 16-digit um, credit card number in an e-com site to pay for something. That six-digit credit card number and piece of plastic was invented like, you know, 40, 50 years ago. I still can't access all of my health records centrally in one place in real time. I still don't have, you know, assisted living exactly where I want it to be. I don't want to do binary tasks in my day-to-day. -day. I want to pay for things as I consume them. I don't want to pay for them in advance or on a fixed kind of monthly rate. Um, and, I, and you know, I, I know that chat GPT is a like really big thing at the moment, but I'm really enjoying the tool. I'm pumping everything through that um, and becoming like a much better version of myself. And so, and I'm seeing some really cool applications for AI and machine learning that, you know, things that we haven't even really thought about, like how it can impact the lives of kids and fast track their education and give them levels of support we haven't seen before. And so, you know, I, I think there's still a lot out there to be solved and, and I'm encouraged every day by the startups that I meet. And I think it's it's a really great market and a great time despite what we're hearing. Man, you you, you tapped into so many things, right? In that little, <laughs> hey, okay, let me try to pick a couple of them that I really like. For one, that I just came back from Thailand, right? And um, and uh, the the ability or the inability for me to get to my money that, <laughs> you know, sitting in Western banks was very annoying, you know? So annoying. It's so annoying. I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, because some of people will take, you know, very few take American Express, unless you're a big hotel and all that, right? Then you got to 
do a MasterCard or Visa. But then a lot of street vendors only have cash, you know, and it's just like, you're right. It's like, why can't you know I use crazy? my phone? You know what's crazy about those street vendors that only take cash? Uh-huh. They've got two mobile phones in their pocket. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They just don't want to give up the two and three <laughs> percent. But we just need to enable them. We just That's need to so enable true. them, right? It's soft right. pause. Yeah, like I, I was um, in Bali not too long ago and I was having the same thoughts. I was yeah. really frustrated that um, I couldn't order because I didn't have cash on me. They couldn't accept payment any other way. They didn't even have a phone in their bill. It was literally a shack. But their daughter, like six-year-old, was sitting on the floor with an Android and an iPhone. And I can think of probably three or four apps that could have accepted payment in that moment. It's just, again, it comes to that accessibility piece, right? And that's, yes. that's the stuff that gets me out of bed. Like, that's an easy fix. It's an easy fix. It's like, why, why, why? <laughs> but at the same time, you know, and I'm guessing it's like this in Bali, because I was in Bali in 2019. So, you know, 2020 changed a lot of Southeast Asia. It seemed like, you know, they had the, uh, what was that app? I had to have it, Grab. Have you heard the oh, grab yeah. app? Right. Yeah. So it's insane what what one, you know, Uber app did to yeah. really democratize, like you were saying, you know, this delivery uh and 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 uh because of COVID. So anyway, it's just that those kind of things are absolutely fascinating. The other thing you tapped in on, which I really want I want you to say it again about how excited you are what chat GPT could actually do for learning. Yes. Yes. I know in Australia in particular, I don't know if you've been reading up on it, but there's almost a state by state division around whether or not it can be used in schools or for learning, whether it should be banned or not. Um, and I, and I just think it's very short sighted. And I think there's huge opportunities for it to become part of the learning system. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll make it personal. It's about my son. This might get him in trouble at school, but it, it's fact. Like he, um, he's not a very good handwriter, but he is a brilliant everything else. He's like one of those kids that just naturally takes to things and doesn't need a lot of effort. And so there's always been this huge delta between his um, academic results in every other area and this really poor academic result in writing. And we sat him down and said, like, you need to spend more time practicing writing. And he said, mum, when I'm your age, I won't be writing. Like, that'll be for artists. <laughs> I will be typing and using my device and talking and things will even pick up me thinking and where my eyes are. And you know what? He's right. He's so right. He's so He's right. So right. And, you know, chat, chat is, for me, it's a similar thing like I um. Uh, a friend of mine, their child went back to school this year and they, um, in going back to school, a couple of their friends had moved away and gone to another school and they were really sad about that. So I jumped into chat and I said, help me write a children's book about a little boy whose friends are going to another school and he finds the ability to make new friends and he, he builds a special relationship on the weekend with the friends that have moved and it I, it wrote a book and then I chucked it back in and then it wrote it again and I chucked it back in about three times and then I went and like doodled an image on another app and then I got it like sent off and like put into a book. I made a children's book in like an hour. You're a children's book author now. 
That's, that's my side hustle now. <laughs> but like, you know, it didn't it didn't steal my creativity at all. No. Like, no. no, the thought was mine. It started out great ideas, great feedback. I kept feeding. We're having this full combo that ends up being this great book that you know had an impact on someone. And so, I think about that with the lens of studying in school and children, and think. You know, rather than working against it, find a way to work with it because they're going to have access to it anyway. I mean, yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. When, when I was yeah. a kid, when I was a kid, because I'm really old, you know, they they had the, the calculator. It was the exact same conversation, right? right. Whether we <laughs> could bring this calculator in the classroom or do yeah. we have to still do math by hand? And look where we are. I mean, yeah. Do I need to do yeah. that? And when you said about your child, man, oh, I was that kid in terms yeah. of I could not, I just, I'm, I'm not going to learn. Yeah. I can't spell even stuff. today. I can't spell. I'm not a big speller, you know, yeah. and, and it doesn't matter. Even when I'm doing exactly. chat GPT, I can spell it wrong and it knows what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't exactly. have to know which way the I and the E's go, but anyway. Anyway, that's fine. <laughs> exactly. It's what I've, I've wondered, I don't know if you've been wondering, these are the kind of weird things I do in my spare time, but I've been wondering like whether Elon has a plan for chat and Twitter. And I watched a movie about a decade ago where um, a gentleman had lost his partner and it was a futuristic movie and he signed up basically to have like an AI bot be his like person that he spoke to every day on text and had calls with and stuff. And it grew to get to know him better over time and respond to his needs better and would message back. And he basically, it was like a form of mental health support really. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. his kind of go-to, like imagine a Siri with affection. Um, and I'm like, who knows what he's going to do with these technologies? Like in a few years time, the version of Twitter, are we going to know whether we're seeing a comment from a bot or is it a comment from a person? Who are we actually talking to? No, no, no. Who have we been talking to? Yeah, yeah exactly. See? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yes, Chat GPT is the public version. We're out, it's yeah. out there, you know, everybody's got yeah. access to it. But it's been the background for a lot <laughs> of, you know, stuff. We're on yeah. Chat GP3. What did they do yeah. on one and two? Who was doing that? You know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Somebody was training that too, you know. Exactly. Yeah, that's what so, excites me because you know I. This is what I love about tech as well is that I have this idea of the future about assisted living. And when I say assisted living, people think, oh, like what we do for people who are a little bit elderly and need support. That's not what I mean. When I say wow. assisted living, I mean take away all the binary things that I need to do in my day that I don't want to think about. So reordering my groceries, um, changing my, you know, insurance, updating the amount of electricity my house needs for that night, um, ordering that, that outfit that I saw in the window and really loved and said out loud and, you know, all these things that can be automated over time. Um, yeah, and I think chat is, is an example of, of one way to that. Yeah, absolutely. Matter of fact, if you remember, like maybe what if it's maybe five, seven years ago, Internet of Things was the big talk, right? It's yeah. Like everything's going to be on the internet, and I was like, "Eh, do I really need my refrigerator <laughs> on the internet?" But yeah. now I can actually see a, you know, yeah. a case for it now 100%. because you know why? 
because I can actually talk to it. Yeah, and it'll order stuff. And you know what? Feed my dog. Water my plants. Vacuum when I'm out. <laughs> Put the washing on at the right time of the day. Don't waste any water. Like, sure, go for you. Do you do you, boo? You do me. <laughs> you do me. I love you that. Oh, you know, we should play that. You heard it here first. That's a brand for sure. Yeah, you do me. Automated. What do you call it? Automated uh, assisted living. <laughs> Oh my God. All right, Carolyn. We didn't put this out here already. <laughs> it's done. We're starting a business. That's there how it, it happens. There it is. I love it. I love it. So um, in your role now, I mean, do uh, how do you find the the uh, businesses that are that you guys decide to invest in? Is it people just pitch yeah. you? Uh, I mean, how how does that how does that whole, I find it fascinating. You know, we've got Shark Tank here in the U.S. And I'm sure you got mm. one of those there. Everybody's about pitch, yeah. pitch, pitch. Give me money. How does it really work on the back end? Tell me. Yes. Give me the secrets. Yes, there's a couple of ways. It's almost like having a, a two-sided marketplace is kind of how I look at it. So we have um, Scalare invest directly themselves in companies, but we also have investors um, that join us and invest in those startups as well. And some of those investors have ideas about the types of things they're interested in or have a thesis around the things they like to invest in. And so we keep an eye out for those things and actively look. But on the other side, we do get approached a lot by startups and we do involve ourselves in the network and community as much as possible. So we'll get involved in other types of boot camps. We'll look at events. We'll look at other kind of streams and workspaces where we can meet startups, maybe even universities where they have entrepreneurial programs um, so that we're looking for things that um, are attractive for us and attractive for our investors. But most importantly, uh, we look for tech startups where we can really add value. So we're a little different to a lot of other VC firms. So in, in the fact that we deliberately target those very early checks, we're very hands-on, we like to get involved, roll our sleeves up and almost become an extension of that team. So our model is around really helping them grow. It's not a kind of money in set and forget. Um, we really do take on that business as our own and, and help them scale. And what is, uh, what, what, what is, are you just looking for like a good idea or do, do they have to have, I guess these are really, some of them can be pre-revenue, I'm sure right? I mean, this is... Yeah, a lot of them are. Yeah, a lot of them are. And it comes yeah. down to a, a great product, a fantastic founder or founders um, who are dedicated and kind of, you know, living living their work. Um, and it kind of aligning with our values and what we're looking for and the verticals that we, that we focus on in particular. So we have a lot of fintech and reg tech, a bit of agri-tech, um, and we're starting to look at things like death tech. That's a new one where um, companies are developing products and services tailored towards the end of life, um, which is pretty exciting vertical. And so, uh, you know, edutech is another big one for us. But we do have others within the portfolio that sit outside of that where we've just come across a, an amazing product or service and a, and a brilliant founder or set of founders where we know we can add real value and we believe that they're, they're onto something. And the money's always at risk, you know? I mean, what, what you guys put in, I'm, I'm sure it's always at risk, but what would you say on average, and I don't, uh, on <laughs> average, you know, out of 10, how many actually make it? 
So at the moment, Scolare is um, relatively new in the B2B space. We're kind of a baby. So we're three years in. And of our current portfolio of investments, they're all still running and they're all still doing quite well. Different stages, different verticals, yeah. different parts of their life cycle, different challenges and different opportunities, but they're all still humming along. And, and there are a handful in there that are doing exceptionally well and will look to be raising more and probably heading into a series A or B in the next 12 to 18 months. So we're, yeah. we're very fortunate. We've, we've aligned ourselves with some pretty amazing startups. Okay, so we haven't had the unicorn yet. Not yet. Not That's, yet. Nope. Nope. Not yet. <laughs> it's coming. You know. It's, I'm sure. I'm sure we've got a couple in there, and we'll definitely be adding more. Where we're growing this year, part of me joining um, and the team growing is that we're we're looking to build on our fund and our capabilities and um, be able to enable and help a lot more startups in the community we want to partner with other institutions and and potentially um, corporate institutions as well I don't know what's happening in the US but there's been a bit of a shift here there was a lot of large corporates some global sales forces an example where they had VC spin-offs in this market and I think a lot of those corporates are realizing that they need help sometimes to get access to deal flow or to get in front of the right startups and also not to kind of squash them when they get them mm -hmm. into that program, make sure they're helping them grow as opposed to turning them into their own, you know, little R&D fortresses. Uh, and so we're looking for partnerships like that where we can help accelerate growth and give them access to some really good startups as well. Going back to, you know, when you were doing the eBay days and seeing these uh, small uh, businesses being able to compete on a you know a larger scale with with uh, larger uh, entities, do you do you feel that that same opportunity is here today? Has it increased or is it a little bit narrow? At eBay in particular, or in no, just in general, just in general. You know, I mean, I think eBay was a catalyst for these small businesses to 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 be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And now we've got a whole lot of other channels for that. But I'm wondering yeah. if, it's, if yeah. it has it gotten so broad that it's really, uh, you know, noisy now. Yeah, I think, I think there are a couple of segments in there. So one is um, this big consumer behavioral trend towards like niche retailers, you know, like a retailer that just does tanning products and a retailer that just does baby's hats or a retailer that just does XYZ, there's been a real trend to kind of go, because it's so accessible with online, to go to a best in class or a specialist or your favourite brand for that kind of one thing. So moving away online from that big kind of department store piece. And tools like a lot of the, you know, the big commerces and the Shopify's of the world and a lot of the other tools that are out there around, you know, loyalty and engagement, like your Yopos and Browse and things, they're really democratising and allowing small businesses like that to throw out big loyalty programs and SMS campaigns the same way that a large retailer would be able to do. So I think in that way, there's a lot more accessibility and opportunity. However, if I think about a lot of the questions I get um, from family and friends that want to start something, want to start an online business, you're right, there's a lot of noise. It yeah. used to be one or two options. I'm going to list my item on eBay mm -hmm. if it's, or I'm going to put on Gumtree or I'm going to try and build my own website in this, you know, really difficult to use kind of platform. Now there are so many options yeah. out there. And there's also other ways to do business. Like you can be on a marketplace 
if it's a service or product, like you could be on a kind of air tasker or a, you know, a DoorDash or some kind of other platform where, you know, you're, you're part of the ecosystem for your services and not have to even market directly yourself at all. So I think it, it can be really, and you can be on multiple. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think it is, I think it is a little confusing right now, particularly in that kind of e-com space, whether it be for services or product. I do think that um, gone are the days of just having a good product to sell or a good story to tell. Now it's like I need to get all those ingredients right from the start to really capitalize because there's a lot of noise. Yeah, a lot of noise. It's funny. I was just, you know, I, I've, I've been doing a lot of coaching with, uh, I don't, I wouldn't call them startups necessarily. But some of them are, you know, and I just had one that I got on the call with her and she was like, um, uh, where, where do I make a Facebook ad? And I'm like, dude, oh, seriously? Bless. I yeah. know. Yeah, I know. but that's, that's a legitimate question. Like, should I be on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this is before I... she even has the product. She's worried about her email list. <laughs> her Facebook ads, and like you said, building a Instagram following. I'm like, slow down, slow down. Yeah, Yeah, but it's just, that's all the noise that goes on. This is what it's supposed to be. (laughs) Exactly, and I think there's so much opportunity like that out there that there used to be, what feels to me like there used to be a lot of boutique agencies that would help a lot of small businesses get going. Um, but they've become experts and they're popular as well. And there's so much that they've kind of like lifted the benchmark as well. And they'll, you know, work with bigger accounts and yeah, so it is, it's tough. There's definitely, definitely something in that. Yeah, absolutely. So look, this is the last question. This is the last question I ask everybody. And I really Mm -hmm. want to make sure that I ask you this question. So is there a question that I did not ask you that I should have. <laughs> Jeez, that that is a really tough question. Is there a question that you should have asked me that you didn't? Oh, not, re- not really. I can't think of anything, but I would love anyone who's listening to this that, you know, has an idea or has some feedback. I'm pretty approachable. I'd love to catch up. We're looking at running an event later in the year, particularly around startups, a competition to help them get a platform and get eyeballs to their product and, and investments. So that's that's I'd love to be hit up for things like that. All right, fantastic. So where should people go to follow you, engage with you, and just yeah. be blessed by your wisdom, knowledge, and understanding? <laughs> It's lovely. Um, Scalare Partners, S-C-A-L-A-R-E Partners. And I'm also Carolyn Breeze on LinkedIn. There you go, guys. Definitely check out Carolyn. She is an amazing, amazing resource. Carolyn, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. Thank you. You too. It's been so nice to talk to you. I miss you. Me too. We'll talk Mm. soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Smartest Podcast. I hope you found that conversation helpful and inspiring. So be sure to subscribe and do not miss any future episodes. Until next time, enjoy your journey of success.
Thanks for listening.